So over the past several weeks, we've looked, um, some of the attributes that we've taken a look at quickly has been Jesus is our best friend. Then Melvin came back and talked to us about Jesus in reference to leadership and being the leader of our lives. A lot of times we think leadership in reference to position. Jesus showed us that the way of, of leadership is through servanthood. He showed us how to serve. We came back and we also looked at Jesus as a shepherd. And today we're going to look at another description of, of who Jesus is that we find in the Scripture and we want to read that passage of Scripture. That's our theme before we do that today. But, but next Sunday, um, we're going to be celebrating baptism together. We've got several people that have made decisions to follow Jesus, and we want to be able to celebrate baptism. And so next Sunday, on the 21st, we'll do that. And if you've, you're here and you've made that decision to follow Christ, yet you've never been baptized, I Man, just listen, come and, and uh, maybe shoot me an email this week or catch me after the service and say, listen, the Lord's really been laying this on my heart and I, I need to follow through in baptism. I mean, I've made a decision to follow Christ, but I've not been baptized and I, I would like to participate in that and just see me because we'd love to make that a part. And as reference to the H2O project, um, we have a, two teams that leave here in October. One of those teams will be putting in another water well down in the Revis area. Uh, some of you uh, know that that's been a part of what we do uh, in our effort and our partnership with, with Nicaragua. We have a partnership with Living Water International that allows us the opportunity to go in and we put water wells in areas and villages where there is no clean water. In addition to that, we have another team that will be headed up to work with Rick and Mary uh, Urban, who is a part of, a part of just our, our family. We, we've sort of adopted them over the past couple of years and they will be heading up to, to work with Rick and Mary there at El Rancho at, at a, uh, a rehab center in the mountains. And so our, that team will be providing some medical resources as well as encouragement. Over the past couple of weeks, there's a fence that has begun. Um, we've had some resources that have come in that have allowed us the opportunity to participate in building a fence so that we'll be able to bring women back there to that rehab center and provide a place of safety. And so our goal is that some of our women that are going will have a chance to work with them and encourage them. And Sandy has had a big part. You've, you've, you know what that's like. That's near and dear to your heart, isn't it, Sandy? And so we hope to have that fence put in by that time that you guys are there um, so that you'll be able to experience that. But the H2O Project helps us raise resources so that these teams can not only go, but be able to provide the water well as well as the medical um, the, the medicines that will be needed to treat those that are there. So I hope this week you as a family will be able to participate. I think all of us at somewhere along every day purchases probably some type of a soft drink, coffee, or, or something. And so when you do that, it's not just about the raising of the resources, but it's also about raising the awareness because somebody may say to you, man, why are you doing that when I know you probably want a Coke or you want this over here? Well, I'm, I'm trying to raise some, some awareness because... We have two teams, so it's not, just about, uh, it's not just about the money, but it's also raising the awareness and allowing God to be able to prick the hearts of other people that may not know anything about it, because God has blessed us in this country. Maybe if you've not had an opportunity to go to Nicaragua, uh, maybe in the years ahead, maybe you'll, you'll have that opportunity. But anyway, let's get back to what we're going to talk about, but before we talk about it, let's talk and let's read that passage of scripture of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And let's see what Paul said, as this is our theme verse. And I'll read it, and you can read along with me. And, and as always, people ask me, what version of the Bible do you usually use? 
I use the New Living Translation specifically when speaking to us as a congregation because we have a lot of young believers and a lot of people that haven't grown up going to church. And the New Living Translation is a whole lot easier to understand. So in saying that, this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, when I first came to you, I didn't use lofty words and brilliant ideas to tell you God's message. For I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is we're going to talk about the cross. Because it was during that time of the cross when Jesus would give his life for every one of us in this room. Regardless if we rejected him or not, he still would die for us. I want you to look at the person on the left of you and say, Did you know that Jesus died for me? Would you do that? That's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? But that's the truth. That's a little bit uncomfortable to understand and recognize and even verbalize what Jesus was willing to do for us, regardless if you were willing to accept it or not. But today we want to take a look at Jesus, the Lamb of God. And this is what in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now that word lamb is somewhat a simple word, but we find it many times in the Scripture. Probably half of those times we find in the first five books of the Bible. In Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But there's a lot of reference to that, um, and that's probably Jesus, the Lamb of God, we find most of all in the book of Revelation, where Jesus is referred to as the Lamb more than anything else. He was the Lamb who was slain. He was the Lamb to be worshipped. He was the Lamb that would open the seals, the wrath of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb. But what in the world is this description of Jesus as the Lamb what is it all about, and how does it apply to us today? That's sort of maybe a question that we want to try to attack today. And if you go back and look, some of you remember, how many of you were, have remember the movie, The Ten Commandments? Remember that movie? Well, the movie, The Ten Commandments, was really about the book of, of Exodus and the plight of the Israelite people being held in bondage by the Egyptians. Several times, God would... God would allow for there to be plagues to plague the Egyptian people so that they would be propelled to let the Israelite people go. But every time, Pharaoh would say what? No, I ain't going to do it. I'm just not going to do it until, until that last one, that last plague that sort of like broke the camel's back. Maybe you remember that story, that final plague where the firstborn son in every family would be killed. And not only the firstborn son in every family, but the firstborn among all the, the cattle. And since God didn't want the Israelites to experience the pain, I mean, he, he told them what to do to be able to bypass that pain and that suffering of death. And he told them that a, that a lamb would have to be slain, a perfect lamb, and the blood of that lamb be wiped across the doorpost. And with a death angel would come in through the city that night, that when he saw that blood upon that, that doorframe, that he would pass over that home. Do you remember that? And that's where we get the term Passover. The Jews even celebrate that today, the Passover. 
over celebration, and it's a reminder to the Jewish people, to all of us, of what God did at that time and the fact that he brought them out of Egypt and out under that bondage and out under that slavery. And, and as they celebrate Passover, they retell the story of what God did. So I want, you to, I want you to fast forward a little bit into the New Testament, into the time when here's Jesus now walking into the city of Jerusalem. The Bible tells that he had sent some of the disciples ahead to prepare for the Passover celebration. And so here we are that night in the upper room getting ready to partake of that meal. Now, some people say it really wasn't the Passover meal, even though that's what the Scripture has to say. Some say it was a, it was a preparation for that meal, but that really doesn't matter because it doesn't take away from the intent of what was happening at that time. Because here's Jesus preparing, and just a little bit later on, we would see Jesus betrayed, we would see Jesus arrested, we would see Jesus put on, put on trial and then crucified just a few hours later. Now the interesting thought is this, that in the tradition of the Jewish sacrifices, we find in Exodus chapter 29 that there would be two lambs that would be sacrificed daily. One in the morning, about 9 a.m., and one in the afternoon. So exactly the same time that there was a lamb that was being crucified, Jesus himself was being nailed to that cross. I want you to think about the similarities. Here they are driving the nails in the hands and the feet of Jesus, nailing him to the cross, and at the same time, a lamb was being sacrificed at the exact time. And then Paul goes back, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he made this statement, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Not a lamb, but the lamb, our Passover lamb. With that being said, I want to go back and I want to look at Passover just briefly today. I'm not going to cover it all, but what I want to do is I want to take a couple of things out of Passover that have to deal and have to a lot of symbolism behind uh, in reference to Jesus himself. There are some 15 steps that are involved in Passover and participating inside of a Passover meal. But today there's three things specifically that I want to look at that have symbolism relating to the life of Jesus Three things, and this is the first thing that I want you to write down today. The lamb was to be perfect, or in keeping with the S's, the lamb was to be spotless. You might want to write that down someplace. The lamb was to be perfect, or the lamb was to be spotless. I want you to turn with me to the Old Testament now, and we want to stay here for a little while in Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, it's the second book of the Bible that we find. And here, there's an outline in the participation of the things that are to take place in Passover. And this is the actual first Passover instructions that came from our Heavenly Father. And this is what he said in 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 Exodus chapter 12, verse 5. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. 
See, even though the Passover wouldn't take place until finally, until uh, Friday, there was a time of inspection that would take place prior to the Passover meal where people would bring in their lambs or their goats to be inspected to make sure that they were perfect. So they would bring them to the priest to make sure that things were okay. Customarily, I, I read in one reference that said it was like four days. So they would go to make sure that the lamb that they had brought to be sacrificed was inspected. And then they would take the lamb home. Now, I just have to imagine that if the lamb were to be brought home in my house, the lamb would probably have been given a name, and the lamb would probably have been cared for and nurtured, and he would have become part of the family. Are you with me? And I want you to listen to me, because it went from being a lamb to my lamb. A lamb to our lamb. It was a time of personal attachment to the lamb that would eventually be sacrificed. It went from being somebody else's lamb to personal, which made the sacrifice of the lamb even more difficult. Are you with me? I mean, when you sit down at Chick-fil-A, you're not looking at, well, there went Fred and there's Sally over there, you know. You're not thinking about the chicken pen, are you? But this time of sacrifice was something that was really personal. I got some great stories about wringing chickens necks, but we're not going to go there today. <laughs> but I thought an awful lot about that because... There was some significance and there was personal pain that was involved in the sacrifice. It was an emotional time. And if you remember what happened when Jesus first came into the city, and I don't know if you do, but there was a time when Jesus entered into the city and he went to the temple and he became so upset and the Bible talks about that he had, he had dressed the money changers and he, he overturned all their 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 tables and uh and jesus did that because the the temple was not right but not only was things going on in the temple not right the priests that were administering everything were corrupt because what would take place there was many times people would bring in their lamb to be you know to sort of be inspected and the priest would go oh no <laughs> you got to buy mine that one right there is not good enough and so they would charge them so it was all this corruption that was taken place at that time the priest would say no they were crooked it was foolishness taking place and some people would say well why in the world is the inspection so important to start off with i mean why why is a perfect lamb so important and the only way i know to really answer that question is to say this to you Something can't be used as a sacrifice that needs a sacrifice itself. Or the imperfect can, can't, can only be redeemed by the perfect. The imperfect can only be made right by the perfect. Or maybe this, if you're simple like I am. You can't make something right that ain't right. You can't use something to make something right that ain't right. It just doesn't work that way. 
So the lamb had to be perfect. The lamb had to be spotless. Some people say that, um, that heaven um, isn't a place for perfect people, but heaven is a place for good people. No, heaven is a place for perfect people. The problem is, is that none of us in here are perfect, Jim. None of us in here are completely right. We all have sinned, the Bible said, and so there had to be a price that was paid for our sin, not something that was partially right, but it had to be something that was completely right, completely spotless, Gus, completely perfect. That was the only thing that would, could cover our sin. But somebody would say, if, 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 if me being good doesn't get me to heaven, that means that God might shut me out. And God would never do that. I mean, I'm a good person. Why in the world would God not allow me to go to heaven because I'm a good person? And my thought process would be this, well, how good is good enough? I mean, is 51% good enough? How many of us spend all of our time trying to do just a little bit more good than bad so that God will say, man, I like you now. I like you now. You're good enough. No. It was the blood of the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb, that would cover our sins. It's not about being good enough. But our sins must be atoned for by a perfect sacrifice. A perfect sacrifice was needed. And Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Without blemish without spot he was perfect he came to this earth and he lived without sin see this is what the scripture has to say in first peter he says for you know that god has paid a ransom or a price to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value but it was with the precious blood of christ the sinless spotless lamb of god Jesus was perfect. He was spotless. The second thing that we see was the lamb was sacrificed. Going back to the book of Exodus, we find this in the Old Testament as, as it's written, Take special care of this chosen animal. And the evening of the 14th day of the first month, then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter, underline that word, must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. How many times do we nonchalantly say, Jesus died for my sins. Jesus gave his life so that I might live. He was slaughtered. And Isaiah, the prophet, said that he was marred beyond recognition. See, we see the movie, The Passion of Christ, and people became up in arms because all of a sudden there was somewhat of a resemblance of maybe what took place that time, that day and time. But I have to believe that if we would have been there, that if we would have witnessed what took place, it would have overwhelmed us. See, Jesus didn't just die for our sins. Jesus, according to the scriptures and what it says, was slaughtered. Marred beyond recognition. The whip, the beating, the wreath of thorns pressed upon his head. 
the nails hammered into his hand, and here's Jesus left to hang on the cross, not to die for the loss of blood, but to die out of suffocation for our sins, for every one of us. And we all need to be reminded that Jesus just didn't die for our sins or my sins, but he died for the sins of the world. He took all the sins of the whole world on himself. An innocent lamb, an innocent man, the consequences of sin, the conviction of sin, all placed on Jesus himself because of us. Because of us. Exodus 29, 38 says, These are the sacrifices that you are to offer regularly on the altar. Each day offer two lambs that are a year old. Verse 39, one in the morning and the other in the evening. There were multitudes. There were five or so different sacrifices. The burnt offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the grain offering. Each one of those had different symbolisms. There was tremendous amounts of blood that was shed for the people day in and day out. And how many people still live under the guilt, still living in the sacrificial system prior to Jesus trying to appease God, still going through the rituals of the motions yet experiencing no freedom, only bondage that is a result of the law that we find in the Scriptures. And how many of us believe that we say salvation by faith in Christ alone, but yet we still are doing everything we can to try to not only appease God, but trying to get God to love us more. If I can only do this, then maybe God will love me a little bit more. If I can only do this, then maybe God will forgive me. Once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10. And the writer says, Oh, God's will was that for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all time. No more. Jesus, the perfect, spotless lamb, once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day after day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again and again, which would never take away sin. But when Jesus died, the price was paid. The debt was satisfied. I don't have to fear anymore whether or not he loves me. Because I know that he does. I know that he does. So in preparation for the Passover, the lamb had to be inspected. There was a time, a season... Then there was the sacrifice, and then they would cook the lamb that evening for the feast, and that lamb was to be completely consumed. There was not to be any unconsumed meat. And in most households, you could say that the lamb that was sacrificed was more than enough to feed those within that family. So what do you do? 
want you to write the third point down. The lamb was to be shared. The lamb was to be shared. That was the that was how they would fix this issue. They would invite other people from, from outside into the feast. They would say, come and join us. Come and participate. And they invited them to come and sit at the table. Exodus chapter 12, verse 4 said, If a family is too small to eat of the whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they will have you ever been to a barbecue and there wasn't enough? I have. It's not a good feeling. Matter of fact, I've learned, you know, if I want to have something, I better get something up front, right? Because I've been nice. I've said, listen, Larry, you go ahead. You guys go ahead and go on. I did that one time out at, out at, Bob, at George McKay's place. You guys go ahead. Man, I, listen, I'll get something at the end. And when it got down to the end, there wasn't no ribs left. It might have been a chicken leg or two. And I thought to myself, no, man, why did I do that for? <laughs> but have you ever felt left out? Listen to it, what it says again. If the family is too small to eat the whole animal, let them share it with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much... They could eat. So during Passover, others were invited to sit at the table. Others were invited into the home so that they could participate together because they didn't want the lamb to be left behind. Symbolism. How many of us refuse to invite other people to the table? How many of us refuse to invite others around us that we know that need Jesus and we don't invite them to the table to participate of the Lamb? How many of us have friends or neighbors or people within our sphere of influence that would love to have an invite to sit down and participate, yet we're unwilling to do so? Think about that in relationship to missional communities or small groups. Think about that in relationship to churches or groups of people that call themselves believers yet refuse or do not want to invite others to the table to sit down and participate of that which has been prepared for them. Shame on us. Why? Because sometimes it's because of personality, or sometimes it's because of needs, or sometimes it's because they just don't look a certain way, or sometimes it's because they live on the other side of the track. And I don't know what it may be for you, but shame on us for us being believers and, and preparing the lamb being prepared for us and us not wanting to go out and invite others to come in and to share in that meal. The significance of it is huge. But what would happen if... What would happen if we were willing to share? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. To be able to invite people to the table, to sit down and participate. Can you imagine the impact of God's children if we were to invite other people to the table? 
participate with us and share the Lamb. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on him to save them unless they believe? And how can they believe in him, in the one that they've never heard, they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless they, unless someone tells them? Man, what a, what a privilege to be able to invite somebody to the table, to be able to celebrate, to remember and to recognize. See, what's going to happen today is that as believers, those of us that are here, we're going to have an opportunity to celebrate in the table, to celebrate in the Lord's Supper. And I have to believe that when the Bible talks about the Lord's Supper, it really wasn't talking about like what we're going to experience today, but it was a group of people sitting in communion around tables or on the floor not everybody facing me and expecting me to do everything but it was a it was an intimate time but over time we've learned to do this but I have to believe that it was a really intimate time a special time of people sitting around and remembering the sacrifice and what Jesus did for us and it wasn't just a lamb, it was their lamb that they had given a name to. And there was a personal connection. Not just Jesus died for my sins, but Jesus died for me. That he was sacrificed and slaughtered for me. You know why the sacrifices were day in and day out? So that people would be reminded and be conscious of the price of sin. Because everyone, every time one of those animals, every time there was a sacrifice, there was a shedding of blood. And it reminded the people of the consequences of sin. And a lot of times we've come to the place that we don't understand the consequences of sin. But our sin causes death. And this morning, we want to remember Jesus' death by participating in what's called the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, I think it would be amiss for us to participate in the Lord's Supper without giving an opportunity for those of you that haven't been to the table to come to the table today. Would you bow your heads with me just a second? I know that in a group this size, there are people that know Jesus. There are people that have given their hearts and their lives, and they not only believe that Jesus died on the cross, but they're in a growing relationship with Christ. They're desiring to become more like him. But it wouldn't surprise me if there were people that were here today that don't know Christ that haven't walked with Christ, that really don't understand the story of, of sacrifice and, the, and what it meant for Jesus to die on a cross and the significance of what it has for me. But there may be some here today saying, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know Jesus. I can't say, I've done everything in the world to try to, try to save myself. I've made every attempt, but everything seems to fall through. 
But what you're telling me today is that Jesus paid the debt. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, I wish I could tell you that it was as simple as saying a prayer and saying, I, I want to follow Jesus, but it's not just about the admission from the mouth, the confession of sin, but it's about the attitude of the heart. And today, if you don't know Christ, if you're here, I'm not going to ask you to stand or wave your hand, but I'd like to be able to pray for you specifically while heads are bowed. If you're here today and you say, I don't know Christ, but I truly would like to follow him, I'd like to trust him. If that's you, just raise your hand, and I just want to pray for you. Is there anybody like that here today? Anybody? As we go into this time of, of Lord's Supper, Paul talks about there being a time of examination, that we would examine our hearts that we would understand the consequence of sin and we would ask a couple of questions. Examination means to, to examine, to take a look at. And a question I have for those of us that are believers here today would be this, number one, are you in a growing relationship with Christ? Do you seek to follow Christ in all that you do? The second question that I would ask in reference to examination of your life is this, is there an unconfessed sin in your life? something that you need to go before the Lord, and you don't have to bring it to me. Listen, you go right to him. Jesus is the one that intercedes on our behalf. If the Holy Spirit brings something to mind, even right now, would you, would you ask the Lord for forgiveness? Something that's even a, a lot more difficult and, and more visual. Maybe there's somebody that's, that you've wronged. Somebody that you've hurt, maybe there's a relationship that's broken, even here today, and, and, and even, even before you partake, I'm going to ask you to get up and go to that person. Is there somebody you need to seek out? But here in just a couple of seconds after I pray, there's going to be an opportunity for us to, to participate in what's called the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, let me pray for us today. Father, this is such a special time for us to be able to go back and to remember Jesus, the Lamb of God, that was sacrificed, that was slaughtered for our sins, the perfect Lamb of God that, was, that covered it all, that atoned for my sins, that, that, that Father, when I accept that, it makes me right. That it's my faith in Christ. It's not my works that saves me. And Lord, as we, we come here today, we want to remember that sacrifice. Father, we want to we do what you told us to do, is, is to remember the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. For those of us that need to confess sin, may it be confessed. For those of us that are at a place where we've wronged somebody and the Holy Spirit brings us to a place of conviction and reveals that to us, maybe we'd be willing to respond. For those that may be here that don't know Christ, may they even this morning be willing to confess their sins and turn to you. But Father, would you hear us today as we celebrate our time together? In Jesus' name, amen.
We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this way today as Brian begins to play for us. You know, as you, as you, as you feel like that it, that time's right, as families or individuals or groups of people, there are going to be, there'll be people that will stand at these various tables. And if you're here today and, and, and maybe your knees are bothering you or you, you're in a wheelchair and you might need somebody to serve you, after everybody's served, if you'll just raise your hand and Jim will make sure that we've got somebody that serves you. One of our guys will just will make sure we serve you. And then what we're going to do is we'll partake of the Lord's Supper together. I want to say this to you. Um, the Lord's Supper is reserved for the family. The family, those that have trusted Christ. That makes us sort of sometimes feel weird if we hadn't been in church. We're like, what am I supposed to do? Or you know, what's supposed to happen? But if you're part of the family of God, we welcome you to participate in the Lord's Supper today. If you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Christ, you're welcome to sit right where you are. No judgment, no condemnation. But I just want to ask you, what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? When you feel that the time is right, there are tables that are in the back, there are tables that are in the front, there are tables up top. When you feel it's right with your family or as an individual, as a group, you can go and get one of the pieces of juice and the bread and bring it back to your, to your seat. And at that time, when we're all ready, then we're going to participate and remember the sacrifice together as a family. And then after that, we're going to sing a song as the family of God, and we're going to depart from this place. But I pray today that as we participate, that you'll do one thing, that you'll remember the sacrifice, the blood that was shed, the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb, that he was sacrificed, but he was also to be shared. When you're ready.
you couldn't move and you need somebody to serve you, if you've not been served, you just raise your hand. Everybody's been served. Sitting in that upper room that night, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that will be broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I can picture a little bit later, Jesus sort of catches them off guard again. And I can see him holding that cup of wine up and saying, just as my body was broken, the scriptures tells us that he said, this represents my blood that will be shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, in the Old Testament, we remembered the greatness of God through the celebration of the festivals and the feast. But in the New Testament, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper that we would always remember his death and sacrifice. And the Bible says that as we do it, may we always remember to proclaim his death until he returns. May we as believers be reminded of the sacrifice that was paid for our sins. And that when we walk out these doors, we're not just religious people doing religious things, but we're God's ambassadors representing him going out. Why? Because the lamb was to be shared. So I wonder how this week you'll share the lamb. I wonder how this week, as you go about your day, when you remember the sacrifice, how it might cause you to live in such a way that you share the lamb. And I love what Mark has to say as they gathered there, that they sang a hymn and they left. And there was a tremendous stir that would take place in the days ahead there within that city, Jerusalem. Because Jesus just was, wasn't in the tomb, but he was resurrected. And there would be such a stir that would be created because of the resurrection. And today, that as we leave, that we would leave to go out and to share in fellowship and to share in prayer and to share in the word and to share life with one another. And that as we do that, we would impact a community as well as a nation. Because I happen to believe that our nation's problem isn't a political problem. It's a Christian issue. Because we've spent too much time inside the walls of the church doing religious things instead of living for Jesus on the outside. So as we get prepared to do that, will you stand? And we're going to sing. And then we're going to depart this place to be as ambassadors.